0: we're here we're queer who cares
1: i'm elliot glazer and i'm brent sullivan and i'm h allen scott textual Textual
2: healing healing. so trump is running for president as we all know in 2024 um brent are you excited yes (laughs) just very
1: excited yes (laughs) Very pleased. Very
2: pleased. In a straight to a video or straight to camera video, he gave this impassioned speech saying that, in under his administration, in well, if he gets elected, that he'll stop the gender affirming care for minors, um, (laughs) or trans, trans minors, transgender minors, uh, which he equated to child abuse and sexual mutilation. And he quoted, uh, this is a quote from him, saying, The left wing gender insanity being pushed at our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. Uh, he said he would prohibit federal agencies from promoting the concept of sex and gender transition at any age, and he said he would push Congress to pass laws that basically ban gender-affirming care for minors nationwide, and that he would have the Justice Department to prosecute these doctors who perform these any, any particular gender-affirming care at all, meaning that even if it's just giving the child literature or education on what they possibly might be going through if the child requests that that's also a part of gender affirming care in addition to sperm jail uh, the surgical pharmaceutical et cetera. um and that that many of these he doctors, also, I I'm wait I'm one, just confused by one, one, one wait one more thing many of these doctors yeah. also this is huge would they'd be cut off from medicare and medicaid which would be a career ender for medical professionals they they depend on medicare and medicaid so I mean, is this gonna happen? I don't know. I it, it it. I mean, with this Republican Congress being the way it is and being with the Republican party, being the way it is with the way that they're using both trans and I'll say drag performers and just the issue of gender in general as a, an election issue is a smokescreen for something to come. But it is in the, in the wake of what happened with Roe, this is actually a very scary prospect. I don't understand what he says. He
0: would prohibit a federal agency from working to quote promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any any age, not just for minors. That means it's it would be essentially advocating against all trans people
2: to minors. Uh no. He is basically saying that any gender-affirming medical care, so it's not just transgender people who get gender-affirming medical care, It is. The, it might be someone who is, is going through something that they need to communicate about their gender, and that also is a part of gender-affirming care. There's, there's lots of reasons why someone might want to go on testosterone or estrogen for things that, for lots of different reasons that maybe aren't necessarily related to transgender care, but is a part of gender affirming care. So there's lots of different branches that this comes under, and this is is a scary prospect for a minority of people who are already at a high risk for not only discrimination in the medical profession, but also for suicide. I mean, data indicates that 82% of transgender individuals have considered suicide, and that 40% have attempted, and gender affirming medical care is associated with the lower is, is like it, offering gender-affirming medical care is associated statistically with the less, the lowering of attempts on suicide and suicidal thoughts. It's just, it's just completely backwards. Yeah. And it's the crazy, I mean, what's so wild to me is
0: that, like, look, we've talked about, we've talked about the idea of like someone being too young to know what, gender they are, where they fall on the spectrum about making big medical decisions about taking tea, you know, testosterone or, or, you know, take, taking injection, like doing, doing anything medical and, and something that is invasive it, it and, and affirming their gender in a different way. It's a, it's a big decision. And like, that's a, it's such a big yet private decision for a kid and their parents Parents to to figure out and it to me it is as the it it as it is as creepy as roe versus wade being uh struck down is in terms of these
1: in 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 invasion
0: in 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 a private private invasion yeah exactly the invasiveness of something so private that is genuinely like it's not just obviously it's tied to like suicide and and like a child's well-being a child's desire to live can, yeah. is, is what we're talking about here and and feeling confused and feeling you know just feeling so lost the idea of of somebody promising that they will invade the yeah. relationship like a, a kid's life, Something that is should be just their thing to deal with with their parents and a doctor. It is course, just or without mind- their so modeling. many of
2: kids don't have access to have that conversation with of their course. So the, of the, course. the of course the safe person that they can have that conversation with is a medical professional. And yes, and, and, and putting them under the spotlight like this <clears throat> takes away another resource that that child who pri- possibly doesn't have the the relationship with their parents that they need to have this co- conversation. They're taking they're taking away another person here that they can have that conversation with and also doesn't it step on the fact that like i mean we talked ironically
0: in the past about how like trump had the best lgbtq
2: record any president had had well, well republican republican had. and progressive like he was he was the most progressive but i i liken that up to the times more than trump but yeah of course yeah, that was the that was the ironic part of it. But now at this, but
0: but you know, there were moments where he did say he stood with the LGBTQ community and like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. We don't we don't need to go into that. But ultimately, wouldn't this this is directly hip, hypocritical to those ideas? You no, know? or, or or does it feel like something more nuanced?
1: No, I mean, Alan says it all the time. I mean, I yeah, you know, they 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 certainly seem to have, I think, a winning. Um, argument. Well, I don't know about winning. I don't know if the majority of I certainly don't believe the majority of Americans would agree with what he said by any means. But, you know, as we saw with Ron DeSantis in Florida, who, you know, cruised to an absolute crushing reelection in 2022, you know, some of these some of these social issues that we get super, super upset about just do not resonate and they don't move the needle Uh, On the left sometimes. So I, I think I think it ends up being, you know, as always, sort of the fringe, you know, Twitter electorate is what gets super mad and the average everyday independent moderate voter. You know, might might not just dis- might not agree with with what Trump said. Probably don't does doesn't agree with what Trump says, yeah. but that 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 won't be a particularly compelling. So I'm I'm always reticent to take bait on stuff like this. I mean, of course, we have to have these conversations because we have to defend, you know the uh, uh, you know the the T community within LGBT. Yeah. Um, But it's also like uh, sometimes I'm just like uh, I just feel like. You know, it's just, kind of like you know.
2: queer, queer Americans in the nineties, when there were a lot of sort of LGBT, LGB conversations around legislation in terms of, you know, the, the marriage act and all these things that were happening. And at that time, more and more queer people were becoming visible in the public eye. You know what I mean? More and more queer people were coming out in the workplace. were coming out in the corporate space. We're coming out in, in politics. We're coming out in lots of different areas. And it became that sort of that that sort of rhetoric of like you can't really understand something until it until they're your neighbor or your hairdresser right whatever it is and with the more queer visibility that happened the more acceptance came and the problem with i think and republicans are doing something disgusting but smart in that trans americans for the most part are unfortunately still largely forced to be in the closet for their safety in a lot of spaces and in a lot of communities and in a lot of places or they're forced to leave their homes or their jobs because of discrimination. And so not all Americans, especially the Americans those sort of the, the the voters in the Midwest and the South or whatever are experiencing trans people in their lives in a loving and accepting and inclusive way and they're not voting in that way and so they're they're falling victim to this rhetoric that the Republicans are pushing out about these dangers, the dangers that these things pose. And it's like these things meaning these policies, not and it's it's and that's an unfortunate place to be because it's up then to us as queer people who are out to then stand up for our trans brothers and sisters and everybody else to then say that this is an important issue that we need to communicate and combat when someone like Ron DeSantis or Trump says something. Because the people who are victims of this can't come out of the closet and, and safely protect themselves in a lot of spaces. And it's up to us to do yeah, it. I just he,
0: he is like,
2: he's a richie, rich, like comic book villain.
0: Yeah. Like he's literally going like after trying to like go after kids who are dealing
2: with their own shit. Yeah. I, I don't get. Uh, he doesn't give a fuck. I'll never get the it. The problem is he and none of the, all these other States, they don't give a fuck about yeah. queer issues or they're, they're not scared of drag shows. They're not scared no. of happening to children. They don't give a fuck. They only they don't care. care about attention. And getting power. That is all they care about. And they're using yeah. people in order to, to get that power. It's gross. It's really I don't gross. I do want to go back to school. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I don't have kids. I do on an un, unrelated topic. I do want to know, Elliot, because I mean, week after week, we do these Zooms and I see you in my everyday life. But I see a very large trash can in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. On, on <laughs> yeah, the big pedestal. trash can. I don't have a trash can <laughs> in my actual bedroom. I have a trash can in my bathroom, in I my do. kitchen. I do. You have tra- well, but you, I mean, your For bedroom my... is also your apartment. Like, you, I mean, all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So that makes sense. But, that's Elliot, you have a proper bedroom.
1: Why do you need that big of a trash can in your bedroom? You <laughs> right in your bedroom. And the, and the dream catcher's gone, but go ahead, Elliot. <laughs> Uh, you're right. The dreamcatcher is
0: gone. Uh, why do I have a trash can? I mean, I'm
2: very neat. So a kitchen trash I can guess, in your bedroom, you do. not you like a, a normal a
0: trash
1: can. Not like yeah. one of the like half size ones.
0: Because I needed, I I needed one. I think it's because I I I needed to buy a new one. Um, because one of them broke. Yeah. So because I recycle obviously in one, and then everything else goes in another one. And so ultimately, I was like, well, I'm not gonna throw out. The one that kind of this one still like doesn't work great. The lid doesn't open. The one that great. you put your hand over and it opens. Yeah. Wow. Because course, I don't use it course, that of much. Of
1: course, Elliot has a fancy trash can yeah. in, his, in his bedroom. It's not <laughs>
0: fancy. It's from the container store. I
1: mean, but, I mean, but a regular trash Elliot. can <laughs> is just a hole at the top. Like, and you, the don't con- need, yeah, you don't but- need battery-powered trash cans, in theory, you know? If the
2: container store is only in urban cities that people who have to, like, then rent a car to drive to the container store to <laughs> pick up those stuff, <laughs> it's a fancy store. Mm. <laughs> Fine. But, yes, I have, I have a garbage can in my bathroom.
0: A garbage can in the bedroom because, basically, I had an extra one and I would feel weird throwing away something that works enough that I can lift it up and throw stuff in it. Wow, good to know. <laughs> and and to, to segue to to wrap this all up, I would throw Donald Trump into that trash can. <laughs> good. <laughs> good, good callback.
2: But you'd you'd be sitting there with your hand over, being like, open, <laughs> open, open. <laughs>
1: Not even joking. We
2: are here with Ty Blue,
0: who is one of the brains behind the off-Broadway phenomenon that continues to grow, Titanic. Hey, Ty. Hello. Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you for being here. Ty, um, you I have amazing
2: to... hair, I have to say, right off the bat. I mean, you uh, just can't see it, but your hair, even, I don't know if you did anything to it, but- We can post Australia, a photo. The, you're looking at <laughs> idols.
3: No, we will not uh, post a photo. We, we'll let Ty <laughs> have this head shop be the photo. <laughs> Bless you. This is this is literal like day two bedhead, because as we all, you know, it's like part of our homosexual duty to learn that, like the day two hair is the better hair. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, it is true. Bedhead does work. I mean, I mean, I'm guilty of of this wave. It's it, this mm-hmm. is all natural, but it requires bedhead for the most part.
2: Yeah, You got to let the oils build up, it's true. It's true. I just wear a hat, my hair functions mainly for drag, so like I just like curl it in so I can pin things into it. So I mm-hmm. always just have a hat on when I'm a boy, it kind of works out, yeah. Really good. For- um, Ty, I
0: should admit that I'm the only one here who's seen Titanic, uh, because so far it's just been in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky to get tickets the last time I was there. If you could, ex- I mean, the, the listeners, if they they've already heard me talk about it a lot. It it Thank is the, like the funniest thing I think I've ever seen. Truly, like
3: I I love what it is, and if you could maybe explain it, um, I think that would be great. Sure. Well, Titanic. It should be said was literally born out of like a drunken conversation in a bar in Los Feliz one night. Like what bar? All, oh, Rockwell. Oh yes, we, we know, you know Rockwell. Yes, yes, oh, yeah. Rockwell. No. May she rest yeah she, she, she she's Alan has
1: probably read books there but yeah go ahead Ty
3: <laughs> <laughs> out in that little courtyard yeah yeah, it's gorgeous quiet. yeah yeah um so we were doing shows there I was directing like musical parodies of films mm-hmm. there for a few years and I always wanted to do this idea that Constantine uh who's is one of my co-creators and also plays jack he had this idea to do one of titanic um using celine dion as the host and using her catalog as the uh score for the show and i thought it was genius but the people at the venue were like "Mm, we're gonna do a parody of mean girls instead i remember the mean girls parody i didn't go boy (laughs) <laughs> Boom. Yeah, you didn't miss a whole lot. Yeah, I'm sure. um but anyway, I just I, I just wanted to like take a tragedy and make it fun. Right. And I thought this conceit of like letting Celine Dion tell you her version of like what she thought happened aboard the Titanic using her songs is like a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um so that's basically it. It's a Celine Dion fever dream where she plays MC2, a night of recounting what actually happened aboard the ship.
2: I have a feeling mm. that Celine Dion's life mm. is one long fever dream. Like, I mean, she, well, anything she puts out is just like a <laughs> gift to the gaze. It really before,
0: is. Well, before I, expl- before I talk about the show, I should say that I, it, I preceded it by watching the movie Aileen.
3: Oh. Which tie, are you familiar with that? <laughs> I am. I've not seen it, but I, I mean, it looks fantastic. Well, that, that movie so is, that movie is a literal
0: fever dream in which a 50 year old, Canadian comedian plays Celine Dion at every age, including five. Um, it is horrifying. The movie it is even though it's a biography, it's baffling. Is it every step along the way? Is Wait, it, is, is what? it a comedy?
2: Is it earnest or is it a comedy? It's earnest and it looks is very it a,
0: earnest
3: in previous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it
0: a comedy? I, I don't. Would, unintentional I comedy. I don't think it's very much. Aw- it's not aware of itself, that's for sure. Yeah. But the huh. weirdest part about it is that it's called Aline because they couldn't get the rights to call it Celine Dion, so yeah.
2: her name is Aline Dion. At least Celine knows better. She knows better than to do that. Like she wants they to use, talk about her, but she knows mm, better than that. <laughs> but they use her real music, so it's very
0: confusing. But yeah. that was the perfect appet- uh, appetizer before seeing Titanic, which you concisely described it as this like like jukebox musical but it's obviously super goofy I think it's like one it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen because it changes it's not Mm. I mean it's not full it's not fully improvised but things change it seems like every night and according to essentially what's bubbling in like the culture in conversation online like it's is that is that something you plan to do or is that just kind of part of the journey especially because the show is so keyed into like queer and queer adjacent pop culture and tiktok youth culture at this point
3: well you know it wasn't necessarily something that we sought out to do is like create this brand where like every night is different but those shows that i did at rockwell were spun largely out of improvisation and the rehearsal process which by the way was like negligible which is partly why they were so improvised yeah. um, and I just love that I'm I, I, I used to perform and I never like got into that whole eight show a week yeah thing that like is the norm here in New York and so for for us as creatives it's like more exciting to just like let it be this living breathing pop cultural referendum amoeba you know so marla who plays Celine, every night she has a moment that is completely improvised like a full story hour that is completely improvised she has never repeated a bit at all and it's it's just like so interesting she loves doing how did you find her so when i was brought in to do the devil wears prada uh, yes, I saw that. Oh, you did. Yes, yeah. yes, it was
2: fantastic.
3: Oh, thank you with Drew Drogie.
2: Yes, I love Drew. He's a good friend, past guest on the podcast. Known him for like fifteen years now. Uh, mm.
3: Same, adore him for twenty. Actually, actually Ruth, <laughs> the part of Ruth in Titanic, the mother, was written for oh Drew. Oh, of
2: course wow. it was. He's Just probably like too busy. <laughs>
3: Well, he, he was, he was yeah. like shooting some TV show. And so he was never able to do like, you know, the groundwork stuff that we were doing, like the one offs that we would do in LA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, that is his voice that that is written in. That's um, so great.
0: Although the guy who I saw play, it was brilliantly funny.
3: I wonder who you saw, Russell, maybe?
0: He was a bigger, heavy man, like very, very large. Yes.
3: yeah. He's a genius.
0: I, I should add too that, like, it's, I still don't think it, like, does the show justice, even as many, like, shades as we've explained it has now, even including the improvisation. Also, a big point of, of, uh, uh, to notice, to, to note too is that it's Celine Dion narrating the t- Titanic, but it's Titanic the movie. So it's yeah. not even fully Titanic, like the yeah. actual Titanic. It's like Celine doing Titanic the movie. It, it's, it's like, Layers upon layers of psychedelia or something. I, I just made that word up, but it is mind-boggling.
3: Um, but yeah, how did you how did you meet um,
0: Marlo? Sorry, I didn't mean to
3: oh, yeah, into that. So <clears throat> I pitched Devil Wears Prada to the Rockwell people, and they were like, love, 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 gay Fantasia, drag, 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 love, love, love. And Marla had been doing shows there, and they were like, <laughs> no Tino Shea, but they kind of forced her on me. They were like, you'll love Marla. Put her in the show. She's in. <laughs> And I was like, okay, like I, she, I watched some of her old legendary, like YouTube videos, which I don't know if you guys are aware of those, but she did this, uh, colors of the wind performance, (laughs) which is required. I mean, when we get off, I'm telling you, go look up Marla Mendel colors of the wind. It is absolutely bonkers. So I watched (laughs) that. It's totally unhinged. And I watched that and I was like, okay, that she's my people. And so Mm -hmm. We just got paired up on this project and we ended up kind of co-writing a lot of it. And And I learned very quickly that she had a strong writing, very strong writing uh, <clears> tool <throat> set and um, just great improv. And so I really just kind of let her fly with her yeah. part she did this insane monologue about Quavonzon Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Academy Award nominee. Academy Award nominee, honey. Yeah, she, yeah. and that and that moment I was like, oh, you're like fringe as fuck. And yeah. we yeah. just kind of like bonded. That's really it, it,
2: isn't it? That kind, I mean, I, I haven't been able to see it, but I know a lot about it and I'm, you know, one of the fags out there who can like easily be like, I'm gonna learn everything about this even if I can't make to see it. <laughs> and What I think is that really kind of is the key to that sort of meta queer, but almost alt queer comedy sensibility in that it's not like we're fanning out necessarily on Meryl Streep, although it's very easy to do that in a joke in anything queer, but like to fan out on. Like, like the Cavanzine yeah. <laughs> or, like, or like Diane Weest, or like the, the, yeah. the, 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 the actresses that you wouldn't expect someone to freak out on is, are the, yeah, the deep cuts. That I'm, yeah, I'm freaking out on. And that's what I love about it so much is that it really does that because Celine Dion, even though she's insanely big, is kind of a deep cut.
0: Yeah. And, and even if you were paired with Marla, you and Marla and Constantine Rizzuli, who is Jack and who also co created this with you, yep. it is very apparent. Yeah. And, and this is a, this is, this is like a huge compliment. I think it is very apparent that the three of you share a friendship or, or some sort of kinship that just translates into something that is just fun. And it's not manufactured fun. It's not curated fun. It is just like, yeah, like crazy nonsense from your brain trust. And I think it just speaks so, um so highly of just like three friends who just, it just works and mm-hmm. it, and it's fucking hilarious from
3: beginning to end yeah i appreciate that well the truth is that bond really came from it's kind of like a two-part story like we all left new york a long time ago because we were really burned by the toxicity of I... the broadway community and just like full tea like i i just found it to be so cunty and so backstabby <laughs> and not like Like I remember going to Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS shows and being like, uh, wow, this is interesting. You guys are raising money for like people with HIV, but you like literally won't have sex with people with HIV. Just like, you know what I'm saying? Um, And I I found like lots of like gossipy weirdness and I'm like, I just want to have fun and create like we're we're lucky to get to do this and people are miserable. Anyway, so we all like did this mass exodus to LA where we met kind of very poor and unemployed and like doing these skits at Rockwell for like $75 a night, you guys. (laughs) And we've really bonded in that like trench of it all. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we were, we were very lucky in that as we started writing this, I mean, literally, well, the, the origin story is I woke up one day, 2016, like November, what? 10th or so. And cnn was still on the tv there was a bottle of empty pinot noir next to me on the nightstand there were like three blunts that are that were way gone an empty box of pizza in the bed with me and i look down at myself and i and i think that i have shat myself sleep wow relatable Mm -hmm. anderson cooper still you know blaring about trump winning the election and i just wake up three days later having shat myself in this blur (laughs) Yeah. And fortunately, I I soon realized it was actually like a bag of uh, chocolate morsels that had melted (laughs) on me once at father. It smelled great, actually. Yeah. It's not great. My legs melted. Yeah. Yeah. So in that moment, I was like, girl, this ain't it. Like, you got to pull up. And there are probably a lot of other people out there who are as scared as you, who like want to go into a hole and die like you. Mm -hmm. And so I just something like moved through me like a bolt of energy. And I immediately texted Connie and Marla after I washed the chocolate off of my body <laughs> i was like hey that titanic thing that they didn't want to produce i'm taking out a credit card we're going to start writing we're going to meet on monday nights and we're just going to write just to write to have something fun and creative to look yeah. Forward to week. Yeah. And, yeah and i think that that's what that's what fortunately was able to like live through these years of development of the piece thank god Where oh my god like now now that people
2: i mean of course it was it's been a success in new york and like what are the plans for the show post this off-Broadway run? Like, how can people who, because there's so many people listening who don't, we oh, near New York.
0: And we should add to it started at, a, at the former UCB theater called yeah. Asylum and then was then moved to the Daryl Roth theater, which is much bigger That's um, big. and uh, more, even more um
2: Prestigious, uh, prestigious than,
0: than <laughs> the theater under the, the as we called it the theater under the r- grocery store. For I had for diarrhea there long. once. Yeah,
3: mm, <laughs> oh. I've had
1: diarrhea almost everywhere, Alan. But yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs>
3: tell the truth, get into
1: heaven. Yeah, yeah right.
3: <laughs> I love this Brent coming in like on the side with like fat. He
2: does. That's I mean <laughs> that's Brent. Just like a little, like a little about period. Yeah. Peek behind the, the curtain.
1: curtain. Yeah, peak
3: behind yeah the curtain. I love that. Thank yeah. you, Brent. Um, wait, what was the question? Yeah.
2: Plans,
0: plans Wait, yeah, for diarrhea. What, what where are you going
3: yeah,
2: Daryl Roth? Where are you going post off Broadway? Like, what's the plan? Um,
3: well, I'll I'll begin this discussion with an interesting twist. You know, Twitter is powerful and the blogs are powerful. Mm. My phone has been blowing up the past two days because there is this rampant rumor, you know, on the line that we're transferring to Broadway this season. Oh, which I I mean, I've got investors, agents cast people blow me up being like are we transferring are we going in we are not that that much i know for sure we are not transferring to broadway this season um would love to have that experience we'll we'll see we've got to kind of prove that we are more than just a queer niche off-broadway spectacle yeah um before we can get that real momentum but i mean there are there are things brewing that I can't talk about. Sure, oh, of course. Oh.
2: You can take the L.A. out of him once he leaves New York, but he's still <laughs> up there. It's like brewing like uh, Brent's diarrhea. Yeah, now, there you <laughs> go. <laughs>
0: Fair. Oh, you wow. know what's crazy about the show too is that in an age where TikTok is birthing musicals and yeah. you know everything has sort of been flattened. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Titanic feels so just on the ground. Like bricks and mortar word of mouth so like almost old became big in an old-fashioned way mm. that it just already is is i to me speaks as more as than just like a queer niche thing it's like quality begetting well,
2: quality and it's the 25th anniversary of the film too so it's yes. perfect time for it to really explode outside that que- i mean the film is very queer in and of itself like it's, it's just it's really I
3: mean, <laughs> That uh Billy Zane lace front is about the most homosexual <laughs> thing I think I've ever seen in a I can't tell you how many times I quote
2: when Kathy Bates is in the boat and she looks around, she's like, I don't understand the one of you. I say that like at every gay bar. At every gay <laughs> <What did> <laughs> bar, I don't know what. <laughs> he looks around when they when they won't turn the boat around, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, grabbing all boys, you know what I mean? It's all boys back there." And she's like, I need <laughs> them to turn around, and they won't do it." The guy's like, "Sit down and shut your fat face." And she's like, "I don't understand one of you every. <laughs> oh,
1: game. oh, one of you yeah. Every yeah. gay Got bar, it. I
2: say, and I did it even Got once it. at the at the the Christmas drag show that I was on that you guys came to. And oh. these these young queens backstage had no idea what I was quoting, and I was like, "Fucking well."
1: It's- well, so. I'm older than those young queens and I still didn't quite know that quote. Well, but, but you're a yeah, fair enough. on diarrhea. So like I get that. Now, now <gasps> that I do know, it is it is, it is a fantastic uh, reference. So yeah.
3: that is a, talk about a deep cut. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. But no, the 25th anniversary,
2: it's the perfect time for it to explode.
3: You know what? The film's sort of meme ability and everlasting nostalgic impact has aided us endlessly yeah. so yeah. I, listen it's 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 as much a love letter to celine yeah and her kookiness and her catalog and her skill as it is to the feat that is titanic i mean mm-hmm. you watch that thing back 25 years later and girl those special effects hold up like it it wasn't like just some flash in the pan it really was kind of monumental yeah it's a global ip that everyone can relate to even if everybody doesn't know that Molly Brown reference like I I remember the first time I saw that movie. I do too. I was in a shitty theater on the outskirts of Houston where I grew up with my best friend Nathan and his shitty boyfriend David Allen. And I was so jealous that like they were holding hands through the movie, <laughs> and I'm like the third wheel over here, who should have been the boyfriend, because I'm actually right. a nice person. And right. I'm watching this old couple melt away in the bed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I and I'm like crying on the inside, being like, That should be me and Nathan. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. so, wow. you know, everybody has those connections to the film. It's really wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, do have a,
2: I do have a question not related to Titanic that I have yeah. to ask you. So First off, you were casting producer for Drag Race, which I'm available if you need me. And uh okay. and Project Runway, which my boyfriend yeah. was on. Do you happen really? to know Michael Brambilla season 16? Oh, that was my question, Alan? Oh,
3: it was? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I I if I saw a face or a clip I probably would. I I got to tell you, casting reality TV was my survival job in LA. Mm. Honestly, like it was hard in those streets, you know, people think yeah. LA is sunny and pretty and easy. And it's unless you have a trust fund or like, or a NEPO yeah. baby, yeah, or fortunate enough to be like in a writer's room, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I got into working in unscripted TV, because I was desperate to like, make better money. Um, but I actually landed on Drag Race, because I had because somebody on the team saw my shows at Rockwell and they were like, yes. oh, well, you clearly have the sensibility for like camp and drag and da, da, da. And I, I had done a lot. I had like run several gay bars in Texas and hosted and, and produced and emceed countless like drag shows and things. So it's kind of like always part of my voice, drag yeah. anyway, and, and cross-dressing and all that that kind of, all that comes with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I did four seasons on Drag Race. From, you know, the lowest of low, working my way up, you know, went to the Emmys, did all that, saw... Who did you break? Who did you discover?
2: Yeah, who did you discover?
3: Oh, my goodness. Well, how can I answer this without being attacked? Cameron Michaels? (laughs) No, don't say that. No. Um, Like, there are certain people who had auditioned multiple times, and being a casting producer, part of your job is helping... Shape the talent so that the buyers and the producers really see them for the stars that they are. And I think right. when it comes to drag, there's like the superficial sort of like, oh, look at their Instagram feed. But given my background, I was like, no, 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 y'all understand. Like, this person doesn't understand algorithms. They're a star in the clubs and they're a legend. And so mm. there were several people who I kind of, I would say, opened the eyes of the higher ups about, including and not limited to uh Brooklyn Heights for example. oh
2: wow yeah I mean legend um, Brooklyn Heights I mean Miss Continental like... Miss
3: Continental and like yeah. that doesn't always mean a lot to yeah. networks or you know what I mean yeah um she, she's definitely one that I take pride in like helping sort of guide closer to getting cast mm. um Selena S. Titties who finally oh, made it on that's a
2: good friend of mine yeah oh uh, like
3: adore her just yeah. really has the goods really has yeah. the goods and as a kind individual, um, Jada. Mm. Jada, Jada is someone stuff. that I love. Again, a yeah. legend.
2: Someone who's been like in drag helping drag queens for years. Like in, yeah. in her community, yeah. really exploded late, which was great.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of who else. Well, Nina, 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 of course, Nina West was like yeah. somebody who everybody loved for a long time. And it she was so focused on like Disney yeah. for so long that it was really kind of a roadblock to that outlet because yeah. of copyright so kind of morphing that a bit was was good there's somebody else who definitely that i played a big hand in that's not coming to mind but but that that's that was so fulfilling like seeing people who had auditioned many times and not really understanding because how could you like the formula of breaking yeah. through it's it so hard. I will, I will, yeah. I,
2: I will yeah. say I've done I've done the audition videos before. I've I've done the whole things, and it is mm-hmm. there is something in the community of just sort of drag queens or anybody who's auditioning for reality television or going out for reality television that yeah. you 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 try to like do what the the sheet the brief tells you to do, but at the end of the day, it's like you can't you just have to do you <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean like there's only so yeah. much you can do you can't read the minds of the people and what they want for that scene and,
0: and casting and a show like project runway and drag race those are both shows that require casting people who are like t- like actually skilled and talented yeah and then drag race also then requires like an element of charm that i mean obviously project runway too uh, you know i yeah. i I, uh, I mean that's Brent loves Project
1: Runway. It's like his favorite. I I come and I I come and go on it. Um, I enjoyed the season with Michael Brambilla. Um, but I think uh, unlike Drag, I don't know Drag Race. I don't watch the show, but uh, certainly on Project Runway, you do have to, you know, cast a a few unhinged crazies to like keep the the drama coming. You know, it's
3: TV. It's a competition
0: show. When you do that, when you cast for reality TV, do you see some
3: real dark, real dark characters? (laughs) I mean, I have seen, well, the darkest of dark. I actually worked on Catfish for a while. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. That's a good one. It was so dark. I mean, and I didn't really, I don't know. Maybe I'm innocent and naive a little bit. I'm thinking I'm going to go on this show. I'm going to find people and help them solve their problems. No bitch. It was like scary, dark. Psychological thriller, yeah. sad, yeah, upsetting yeah. every single day. And I actually quit that show, but oh wow, that was, yeah. that was the darkest dip on those. Yeah, years. yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, in Drag Race, you see all types of things come sure. through. I'm People sure. eating things you don't want me to reference on your podcast. <laughs> People oh. showing parts of their body that's the oh, wow. think. You That's know what I mean? It's wild. You see a lot of stuff That's, for sure, but oh, but wow. Project Runway was really fun because it was one of the I've done a lot of shows that were kind of super fluffy. But yeah. the thing about Project Runway is you really got to have some fucking skill to know yeah. how. to oh Actually God. design and build a garment that looks right, yeah, shape, yeah, and that was like a total blast for me getting to meet these fellow creatives who really were like eager for this platform to build a brand and to show their skills i love tv that lifts people up who deserve the spotlight i don't love making horrible people famous and that's Uh, why i stepped back from all of that yeah
0: well Well, clearly it worked in your favor because you've rerouted yourself to
1: make the one of the funniest things i've ever seen and we just want to thank you again for being here ty Um, and uh, and obviously i was gonna say throw out real quick fingers crossed at the adams family musical the reboot. Gets booted off Broadway, and then Titanic <laughs> can can get that theater. So that that is that is the hope. But where can people find you on the internet? Oh God,
3: you really you just come in at the end and always in. right <laughs> the dagger. I live for that, Brent. Um, well, you can find me. I'm like primarily an Instagram person. I'm uh, tie Blue, and then the number one T Y E B L U E, the number one. So that's the best place to find me. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you Thanks so much so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I have to, uh, you have to tell me who your drag persona is so I can follow oh, her and check. Sadie out. Pines.
2: Sadie, I'll, I'll, I'll DM you everything. Yeah. Okay. Right, right, right. I, I can't and believe it. Uh, <laughs> I've probably seen some of those audition tapes. Probably. Probably. Mine is,
0: uh, My mine is diarrhea and Frank. Diarrhea. very proud of my <laughs> name. <laughs> Season
1: I'm 16, proud. here you come. Oh, God. And Brent, Brent, my 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 Enya um, drag persona is Ornoco
3: Ho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you really think there's a show that all of you need to do? Like yeah, you I know. You I've in been you in the valley and just lock it up. Kind I've been going to be honest with you, it. My
0: my dream my dream script. I've talked about this. Is writing a script about. Brent realizing that you can make money doing drag, so he throws on a tr- one trashy wig, yeah. finds a pair of heels in the garbage, and is like, yeah. "Give me money!" Yeah. <laughs> they have to be, yeah. they
3: have to be yeah. Yeah. heels.
2: There's that time he wore these.
3: <laughs> That's right. Heels. That's right.
2: Oh my god! So a little, little poof on the front. I, I, I'll, I'll, little, never, I'll never, I'll
3: never yeah. live that yeah. down. I'll <laughs> I'm, those heels down. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. Yeah. Those heels. Those yeah. heels
2: are your your contact pic in my phone. By the way, the close up. Oh, of you know, so funny.
3: away no, no really? <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: it was oh great that for years.
1: Ty, thanks. That so was fun. like, that was like. Yeah, Ty, sorry. thank you
0: so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. And another thing. So guys, tell me about the first pet you ever
1: had. <laughs> All right. Um. So my my first pet in kindergarten, my family got a, a black cat. Um, And I love this cat. This cat did not love me. Um, it oh. was always like swi- it's always you know meowing and swiping <laughs> and clawing. Why um, am I
0: surprised that your family was like had a cat? They're because they're dog people. Because
1: the last twenty five years we've been you know pretty pretty fierce dog people. Yeah. Um, and the first dog we got was this it was this Gordon Setter named Hunter that. And that was like the most obsessed I've ever been with an animal. I mean, just just absolutely the most smoochable dog I've ever seen in my life,
0: quite frankly. <laughs> well, Prince Prince certainly lines up. Prince is very
1: very cute as well. So, yeah. um, what about you, Alan? I had. I mean,
2: I I kind of took it as like my first pet because I don't really. I never really considered my family pets to be mine. I'm oh, always oh, like, OD? oh uh, yeah. our dog was never your dog oh no, that was not my dog that was not my, my god my mother um that dog is still kicking too i think that's their dog uh but i our first family pet was this dog i actually don't even remember if this is our first one but it was this dog named blackie because it was a black dog so we called him blackie <laughs> i know i know that was our first pet um and he would always get boners i remember oh yeah sure oh yeah and, and I, I remember I said a joke once about the boner, and it like cracked up the table. I have a very fond memory of that. But yeah. my first pet on my own was—I had a cat for a brief time in college, but because my life was so chaotic, I gift—I had to give like rehome the cat to a friend of mine yeah. um, who was who's staying in St. Louis. And so Fraser really is kind of my first pet. And Fraser, so for so many years, I wasn't an animal person really because my life just didn't really constitute it, and. Then during chemo, I stayed with the family friend and there were all these dogs. And I like actually recognized like the power of pets and these dogs were very protective of me and very sort of like, it almost like they sense sort of what was happening yes. and the, the tension yeah. in the place. And they, they, it really just sort of flipped my mind on pets and I became an insane animal person. So then when I moved into my own place, I got um, my cat, Fraser, And now, cause now it's been almost nearly 10 years. He's going on nine this year um oh wow I, I know i'm like thinking like oh god he's gonna die soon and like i'm having this sort of like existential panic of being like this thing that was this animal that did me so much and has done me so much good these past 10 years and has sort of like shifted me from that really traumatic period to now is coming to the end and it's killing me but it's not coming 9 and 10 is still young for a cat well, he's a Maine Coon. So they 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 have oh, shorter, I know Maine they have shorter lives than than other cats. But Shadow wow. Sha-
1: That's not true. Shadow was a Maine Coon. He lived until he was like 18. Oh, I was told 13 by my vet. Yeah, that, I mean that's the average, but our I think our cat maybe not 18, maybe it was like 17, but he oh, lived no. really long. That gives me hope. That gives me Yeah. Hope. Yeah. My mom bathed that cat in affection. What about you, Elliot? As and and um, let me let me also throw out my my favorite quote of ever recording the podcast the most serious i've ever seen alan in his life was when he looked me dead in the eyes and said brent you are not an animal person <laughs> you, aren't. you are you call uh, animals it I yeah i mean if, if you call an animal it then you you're not an animal person <laughs> <laughs> like, i i i'm a, i'm a, a for animal person i am basically two dogs and you support the concept you support the concept of others having them but you don't actually i love elephants i want to protect all elephants but that's about it um (laughs) go ahead um my parents had
0: a dog that they um that they adopted when they were in college and were living together before they got married and so uh her name was sarah and Mm -hmm. she was a sweet sweet little mutt who i to this day feel guilty for not um being closer to even though she died like when I was like five or six but mm-hmm. I still feel like sometimes I'll see old in old videos of her I'm just like not I'm even as a kid I'm not kind enough to her as I should have been okay um, but my <laughs> You're grandma four. you were four yeah, I know I know but I remember my grandma kicked her and I was like <laughs> fuck grandma fuck grandma <laughs> oh, I, would um, too. oh I, I got her in trouble I um, feel
1: like that generation I feel like people in like that yes. like openly hate animals say, yeah. sometimes. Uh, or like didn't I,
0: understand them.
1: Yeah. Or if like if like a dog ever bit you, you like you wanted to kill all dogs yes. for the rest of your life yeah. or something. Yes. Yeah. She even yeah. said
0: she even said once when I had Atticus, my last dog, she said, as a general rule, I don't like animals, but I yeah, like this right. dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had Sarah, and then after that, when I was in like sixth grade or so, maybe a little younger. We got Emma, a chocolate lab, and oh, there oh. are so many videos where I am so gay about this dog. Like, oh, yeah. The gayest I ever have been in my life was like the songs that I wrote about this oh, dog. Oh, I did too.
1: I wrote oh, really? a million songs about it. <laughs> did you really? Wow. I, would, I mean, just like impromptu. I didn't like sit down and write them and sing them, but just like impromptu songs about like smooching a billion times and yeah. stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, I loved it. Oh, yeah, you yeah. did that too?
0: Oh my God! the gay, like truly, like that's where that's like the the gay that I I have buried into my subconscious. Wow! Oh, <laughs> it like, need, needs need to be to released. Of, we need
1: some of those videos. It's it is wild that I. I don't want a wild.
2: dog. I kind of want a dog. I have to admit, I've been more as the years go on. I'm I'm itching more and more for a dog. Well, oh, not, you can't have mine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show?
1: Considering that Alan has never written any songs for a dog, it sounds like you're more of an animal person than he is. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my aunt Joanne
0: would say, uh, Celine Dion is, uh, you know, Quebecois, and I'm pretty sure that means she's anti-Semitic. <laughs> and i would say no there are plenty uh, of jewish quebecois including the, the cuisine oh
2: it's true what about aunt anne my aunt anne would say my favorite celine dion quote is peanut butter jelly peanut butter jelly <laughs> <a> baseball bat <laughs> i forgot to say that to ty that i know i was be, wanting to say it too that that so much
0: of the of titanic is not just like making fun of they're not just like pulling from Celine Dion's catalog. It is pulling from those YouTube compilations yeah. of weird things that she has
2: said in these oh videos. God. There is a video. What is it called? Elliot? We watch it. Like and- t-
0: Celine Dion is fucking amazing.
2: Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And there's like <laughs> sequels to it and everything it is. Yeah. It is, if you want to understand sort of at least, I mean, I don't. Brent, do you get off on Celine Dion? Are
1: you? A I don't.
2: Dion? I don't at yeah. all.
1: I don't disrespect her, but like she does literally nothing. I feel
2: like more. Elliot and I have bonded over this video for probably over ten yeah. years. at this point, it is it is an
1: iconic video. You have to go watch. She it. she is chaos. Pure chaos. Well. But go a- watch that video and then join our Patreon.
2: Well, and no, but before you even join the Patreon, one thing I did want to tell everyone to go do is it really does help if you guys do listen to the podcast every single week to go leave a rating and review on iTunes or on the Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you're listening. It helps with the algorithm. It helps helps push us up. It helps just in a lot of crazy ways. So if you could, if you've never left a re- rating or review, go do that asap do it massage for massage
1: do it. that algorithm yeah,
2: yeah. and then you can throw it away at the trash can in elliot's bedroom <laughs> <laughs> the napkins ew yeah <laughs>